nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light 'em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow. Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and the first thing I want to do today is thank Michael Biggs for engineering for me the ever upbeat Michael Biggs. I forget to do that at the end of my show because I always run off at the end. You know, she's running off at the mouth again. She just keeps talking, and it gets right up to three thirty, and I have to get off the air anyway. Um. Michael will be here next week when we start our fundraising marathon. Well, actually, that's tomorrow morning we start that.、Uh, this morning, I got up. Well, I was puttering around the house, and I listened to Davy D, our own、um, Davy D, on these airwaves. He was talking about black films, and I got all fussed because. It just inspired me, and I began a new essay. I'm going to write a、um, what is it? A publishable essay on all the things in my own life that sprang from seeing so many what are called black films. That does that doesn't mean film noir, folks.、Uh, it's going to take me at least a month to write it and publish it.、Uh, I want to get it done during our fundraiser.、Uh, anyway. I wanted to call up Davy D and talk about、uh, definitions right now. How do you define a black film? You know,、uh, does that mean any movie with Sidney Poitier or James Earl Jones in it? Is that a black film, or does that mean that it's、uh, written or directed by African Americans?、Uh, is the Great White Hope、um, or Putney Swope? Are either of those black films, or are those just some liberals' idea of social protest pictures?、Uh, how about, well,、um, how about the last time Native Son hit the screen?、Uh, that was kind of a mess. Aha!、Um, uh-huh, you remember Oprah Winfrey was in the opening scene, chasing rats with a frying pan.、Uh, Oprah Winfrey was in Steven Spielberg's *The Color Purple*, a major motion picture that is, I would say,、uh, Black Hollywood <laughs> at its at its most. What is that?、Uh, at its cutest,、uh, *Briar Rabbit*. I kept thinking of, oh dear, all the warm and happy little folk does. Anyway.、Uh, Oprah Winfrey and Danny Glover got together and made *Beloved* 
from the novel by Toni Morrison uh, is kind of a kind of a giant prose poem. That novel. Uh, Toni Morrison won the Nobel Prize for Literature with Beloved. That's back in 1993. Anyway, no, the lecture she gave was dated 1993. It may have been 92 when she won the prize. In any case, it was the last time an American won the prize for literature. Therefore, is it exclusively a black picture? Uh, I don't know. Um, Actually, that movie uh, sank without a trace. Fascinating. Anyway, Spike Lee is the man of the moment. If you ask young people, I guess. uh, Oh, well, I I did watch um, uh, Tyler Perry's spin on Four Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough. I didn't find much relation to the original play by Entosaki Shange, but that's another story, a very long story, that uh, play was. Uh, well, it surfaced in the 1970s, and I liked best a number of spins. PBS did one, uh, golly, it was most, I would call it a musical more than a movie, but... Uh, Anyway, I'm sure someone will do it again. Uh, youthful film buffs probably don't remember the old classics, the ones that uh, I treasure, you know, uh, James Earl Jones and Diane Carroll in Claudine. <laughs> All about a garbage man who falls for a welfare mom. Now, you know that that, that just wasn't going to, that just wasn't going to last. Not that well, it was political poison. It was just like um, another film, social realism. Uh, nothing but a man. Now, nothing but a man knocked me on my ear. Um, starred the late Abby Lincoln and Ivan Dixon. Uh, Dixon, he was in, I think, Hogan's Heroes. You remember him? Anyway, um, pictures like that. I think I, I noticed that they they turn up in the art houses in the archives. Uh, Nothing but a man was playing in New York recently, uh, but let's face it, the crowd seems to want pictures like "Waiting to Exhale." Oh Lord, there's several pictures in that uh, genre. Uh, what what's a lot of people call boppy pictures? Uh, you're all about money, 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 money. That's the um, <laughs> that's the subtext in all the pictures. Uh, even Eddie Murphy's pictures are all about money, and you know the one about the prince coming to America. Uh, I think probably lost forever is James Baldwin's "Go Tell It on the Mountain." I saw it years ago over at the uh, film archive at UC Berkeley. I think it may be somewhere. I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can get a copy of that. I'd love to have that on my, on my shelf. Uh, Alfre Woodard was in it. She played the lover of James Baldwin's father. It's a very, very autobiographical story. Go tell it on the mountain. 
It's one of James Baldwin's works that for some reason or another doesn't seem to be in the canon. Mm, it's, what is it? Um, it's his, well, Richard Wright had Black Boy, and James Baldwin's childhood uh, was in Harlem. Go Tell It on the Mountain is another book that changed my world view. Uh, I wish I had a film club. We could start out with Black Orpheus, an art, an art film, right? <laughs> I, I love it just because it's the movie that our president, Barack Obama, uh, he went to see it with his mother. And she had in mind that he was to admire this movie, you know. She admired um, Paul Robeson and all the, uh, all the stars of that time. And Barack Obama thought that his mom was naive and kind of old-fashioned in her uh, admiration for exotic and romantic portrayals of black life. Well, anyway, black black life in Brazil. Uh, the movie's about a uh, myth, the myth of Orpheus, and uh, it's, what is it, um, it's kind of unique, it's very special, I I don't know how we could categorize it, um, anyway, the question is, are these films, uh, films about African Americans, uh, are black films, that is, strictly about African Americans, or could they maybe be uh by African Americans, uh, that is, uh, conceived, written. Uh, do we include all those films about Africa itself, that colonial stuff? Gosh, Cry the Beloved Country, for some reason, has turned up on uh, cable television lately. The oldest one with Sidney Poitier, heartbreaking picture, then a recent one with James Earl Jones and uh, Richard Harris. Not bad, not bad. Uh, there's this vast panorama of pictures and people, you know. Uh, h- how do we put together, well, for KPFA, we should have a show here. Uh, we should have a show for critics of color. How about that? Get in touch with our inner critic, critic of color. I'm into it, uh, but I'm only one sixteenth color. But I'll uh, I'll find some Creole thinkers and work on it. Uh, is it Russell Banks? Keep saying we need uh, the great Creole novel. I thought James Baldwin's um, uh, Another Country filled the bill, but that's another book that. Seems to be gone with the... Never mind, never mind. Don't say that. In the meantime, I want to swing all the way around and talk about what's on TV today. Uh, I can't stand any more politics. I know how important it is to, to work on these things, grassroots stuff, but I'm just so world-weary. No, 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 you know... Uh, it's too much for old ladies. Maybe I could do some phone work, but uh, I'm just grateful that Bill Moyers is back on PBS. One responsible journalist on the mass media. I think his quote is the best of the batch this season. Uh, I made a list. There are some 
funny quotes this year. Uh, yes, we must uh, speak. Yes, we must uh, have speeches that are spirited but not mean-spirited. I like that one. But Bill Moyers is the best. He says, and I quote, he says, I'll believe corporations are persons when Texas executes one. Got that? <laughs> I will repeat it. I will believe corporations are persons when Texas executes one. He didn't actually say that on his show. He said it um, during an interview. You know, they asked him uh, how he felt about um, uh, crony capitalism and corporate greed, and that's what he said. Uh, but it was just in reply to a question uh I don't know. There's no place like Rome. I just can't focus anymore on the fall of empire. I want to talk about what I care about or what I used to care about and still do care about, uh, which is just theater and acting and uh, all the stuff that gets me through the week. Uh, you know, I was thinking of my favorite craftsperson this week. Somebody I've admired for half a century. Yes, Maggie Smith. How about Maggie Smith? <laughs> I remember Maggie Smith played Desdemona in Othello back in the day. Now, uh, that was with Laurence Olivier. Now, is that a black black uh, film? <laughs> I think Olivier, Olivier was a mess. He, he used the wrong makeup for the part. It was not... Uh, was not the right role for either one of them, although Maggie Smith did have beautiful bright red hair. That's a long time ago, and I haven't seen that movie pop up on cable, but Larry Olivier and Maggie Smith did do uh, Othello once upon a time. Uh, now, uh, Maggie Smith is currently appearing as one of the uh, character actors on PBS in the series Downton Abbey. It's a very popular British soap opera. Now, uh, it's available to a wider audience than the uh, BBC shows on cable channels, you know. PBS is included on most basic cable. So, you know, it does reach the masses, some masses. Touches mass man. I noticed that People are talking about it. Uh, PBS has gifted the world with masterpiece theater for decades now. And even when it dishes up generic British porridge, uh, it's usually worth a look. You know, we live uh, in an age of surfaces. Uh, Downton Abbey has such posh production values, such sets and uh, gorgeous panoramic uh, vistas. Takes a while to deconstruct the text, of course, uh, which is bottom line ultra conservative. <laughs> and the shows are financed by oil companies, of course. Yes, we can call it um, you know, uh, petroleum, 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 what could we call that? Uh, petroleum theater, there must be a better phrase than that. Uh, anyway, the script is 
um, not exactly like the old upstairs, downstairs. Um, that series went on forever. Uh, but it's the same general theme, the one in which master and servant reach um, a blessed truce, if not any real understanding. Uh, actually, footnote here, I remember years ago, I think they were hard up for material, but PBS ran some episodes that hadn't made it across the pond. You know, they hadn't. They played in England, but not here. And they were episodes in which the battle between the classes was a little more violent, uh, a little crueler than what uh, we saw here. Anyway, the gist of it is always to have noblesse oblige uh, win out. In Downton Abbey, there are some scenes uh, uh, dealing with a soup kitchen. The servants in Downton Abbey decide to uh, set up a soup kitchen for returning veterans of World War I, men who have been disabled and discarded and have no, uh, well, they're homeless and have nothing to eat. And, of course, the... Uh, aristocrats, uh, Elizabeth McGovern, uh, Cora, yes, Cora, the lady of the house. She gets wind of this and she chips in and she even serves up. You see her uh, dishing up the soup. Uh, she too joins the uh, the staff downstairs to feed the homeless. Now, this script is so soft-headed, nobody can really be offended except, of course, me, Maggie Smith, plays the title dowager, yes, um, the family grand dame. Uh, she looks formidable only just long enough to be uh, delightfully charming when she startles everyone by being more pragmatic than any of the younger aristocrats. Uh, uh, something, uh, it, it reminded me, of the description that the present Prince of Wales, you know, Charles in England, uh, he described his grandmother, the mother of the present Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, he said how cheerful and funny she was. Uh, yeah, you may have uh, noticed her, uh, Queen Mary. She was played by Helena Bonham Carter in a movie called The King's Speech. Plump Scottish commoner, one of the... Uh, one of the friendly royals. Now, Maggie Smith's character is this practical, uh, practical but enigmatic old lady. She is, of course, a rank sentimentalist, uh, which suits the tone of the show. As she points out, it's all about family. <laughs> In her case, yes, family means the ruling class. Her attitude is downright coy. Her take on class warfare is revealed when she has to deal with military bureaucrats. These days I call them the securocrats. Yes, securocrats. Uh, uh, she has a marvelous line as, um, as the old lady says uh, when she has to argue with them. She says, give these people a little power. And it goes straight to their heads like strong drink. <laughs> yes, we're always saying that sort of thing now. Yes, these uh, 
what is that term? Mini fascists or Bambi Nazis, yes. Give them a little power and it goes right to their heads. Um, she pulls strings in high places. Uh, she even arranges uh, a marriage between a wounded footman who wants to leave his sweetheart the doll before he dies. Uh, ye gods, I have, I have uh, read of this being done even in our present war. Several young men who married their girlfriends so that they uh, could be sure she would have the doll or the pension when they died. Uh, happened, yes. World War One is introduced in this series uh, in the second season. The Abbey, that is Downton Abbey, is turned into a convalescent hospital so that the classes can clash in all sorts of new ways. Yes, the classes and the masses. Uh, mostly there's pregnant housemaids, that sort of thing. Uh, this kind of script, you know, you can write this stuff forever. Life, death, love, sex, babies, bombs, corruption, compassion, you know. And then better parties and more jeweled gowns. Especially the gowns, that's what I love. Ah, ah these costumes, just terrific. Uh, for Maggie Smith, it's the hats. The purple grapes on the hats, they're a knockout. Actually, she looks prettier in this second season. I think they probably got some feedback. She was a little garish in the opening episodes, and they have softened her hairstyle. She's beginning to look a little more graceful. I think people are really falling for her again. Uh, it's the end of an amazing career. Even when she camps it up, it's fun to watch her. She's done this elderly rascal, this this uh, character turn, this role in so many films. Now, I think a good one was Gosford Park. That's the one by Robert Altman, an American, not uh, BBC, but all the actors are British, or most of them, about half of them, right? Uh, Robert Altman does a, a really sharp take on uh, the British aristocracy, the old uh, patriarchs, the Brits, debauched their servants, you know, and the factory workers, yes. They leave a trail of ruined lives behind them. It's a feminist film, actually. In that one, Maggie Smith, Maggie Smith played a snob who was just clinging to her niche in society. She's just worried about her own little annuity. Uh, she just doesn't want to make waves. Uh, there were so many other women in that film, the, the ruined women who were now servants, who had to protect their, huh, their, their respectability. Let's see, there was Helen Mirren, there was Eileen Atkins, um, the Aristos, we had uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, uh, Emily Watson played one of the servants, an amazing movie, Gosford Park. Uh, Ellen Bates was in it. Uh, everybody who is anybody was in that one. Uh, best of all for Maggie Smith is Tea with Mussolini. If you haven't seen that one, see if you can check it out. It's a fabulous movie in which... She plays the widow of the British ambassador living in Florence in the 1930s. 
she is convinced that her acquaintance with Benito Mussolini will prevent any unpleasantness when World War II comes along, you know, the 1930s. Uh, everyone else sees it coming, but she just assumes, you know, <laughs> that having had tea with Mussolini uh, when her husband was alive, that she will keep her privileges. She's unaware later that her real savior uh, is a rich art collector, an American Jew, played by Cher, right, looking like Coco Chanel, right, uh, Tea with Mussolini is a must-see if you like Judy, Judy Dench. She plays the resident artist. She's always trying to save the murals. Lily Tomlin is in it. Joan Plowright. Uh, this movie is my answer to Golden Girls. Anyway, I love the scene where Maggie Smith literally does have tea with Mussolini. Uh, she goes back to visit him to reassure herself. Uh, anyway... It put me in mind of her masterpiece, which was The Prime of Miss Jean Brodie, a film in which Maggie Smith played the Scottish school marm, the school teacher back in the 1930s, yes, the young woman, well, she was 40. Uh, she's a uh, neurotic elitist who simply adored El Duce. Now, that movie, for any film buff, that is an absolute must. Uh, uh, Miss Jean Brody teaches her middle school girls all about uh, Mussolini's grandiose schemes for Italy. You will remember uh, one of her lovers was played by Gordon Jackson. He was the butler in Upstairs, Downstairs, the original series. Remember that one? Anyway, I dug into my old reviews for the women's newspaper Plexus and I found my own spins on a TV series made from the prime of Miss Jean Brody. Talk about, talk about old, um, <laughs> old goodies. What a book that was, Muriel Spark. Uh, actually, I thought it was too harsh, so cruel. She must have loathed her own teachers, Muriel Spark, that is. Uh, I am a victim or <laughs> a product of several girls' schools and most of the women who teach in them are earth angels. Uh, some, of course, are idiosyncratic or eccentric, but all, all were so committed. Uh, I suppose some teachers are as politically naive as Miss Jean Brodie, but uh, what is intelligence compared to the heart, as one of the students says? With Miss Brodie, it's all feeling, all feeling. Anyway, that's a satire that I would recommend. Uh, it's, of course, full of this popular notion that women's thinking is always stained with romanticism. Could be some truth in that. God knows. <laughs> Let me see. I'm looking here in my folder. Goes way, way back. Uh, yes, television. Muriel Sparks, 1961 novel. Mm -hmm. The prime of Miss Jean Brodie. Her pupils are the creme de la creme at the Marcia Blaine School for Girls in Edinburgh, Scotland in 1930. I loved it yet. She uses the word menage. 
aha, she's ironic and enigmatic, and I just love to listen listen to her Scottish purr. Uh, one of these days, I might have time to read you this whole review. Uh, it is true that Jean Brody is uh, a narcissist and a, a real nut, uh, but check it out sometime if you are interested in uh, Maggie Smith's tour de force. She was really just, uh, what is that, uh, otherworldly and a terrible, terrible influence on the young women she taught. This has been Jennifer Stone. Be back on the air next week at the same time. Till then, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Hey, KPFA, it's that time again. Our winter fun drive begins Wednesday, February 1st at 6.30 a.m. As always, we need phone volunteers to help us raise the support we need to keep this listener-sponsored free speech radio station going. So come on down to 1929 Martin Luther King, just north of University, here in Berkeley. Please join us if you can. That's the KPFA Winter Fun Drive beginning Wednesday, February 1st, 6.30 a.m. Support your free speech community radio station. For more information or to donate to KPFA, please go to www.kpfa.org. Thank you. And you are tuned in to listener-supported KPFA, KPFB in Berkeley, KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is now 3.30. Stay tuned for Free Speech Radio News.